Hi, I'm Dr. Victor Ogntolu. I'm a consultant at Medware NHS Trust. This statement is different to my usual statement on the topic of diabetes and endocrinology. It is on the subject of racial injustice, a support for the global movement on Black Lives Matters. Speaking out about racial issues is always a sensitive topic that wins you no friend, no favors, or no awards. Folks are always afraid to speak out because of being perceived as a troublemaker, a rebel, a hothead. But wait a minute, why should I stay silent? Why should I be afraid to speak up? Why should it be the problem of people of color in another country? These are the questions we should be asking ourselves. Remember that injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere, according to MLK. People of color are being failed worldwide by a system designed to benefit one race, a system that is sucking oxygen out of our lungs and making it difficult for us to breathe. Every person of color that I have met have a story to tell. I have my own stories as well. I remember earlier in my career, I was applying for specialist training post. I was told by a senior consultant that certain specialty is not for people like me. Recently, I was racially abused by a patient on my ward and the patient was supported by our senior managers. I was simply told to get on with my work. This system is broken. It cannot be fixed by people of color alone. It is time for everyone to come together, work together, reason together, and find a way to combat this racial inequality virus that is spreading rapidly and more infectious than bubonic plague. We can't do it alone. Please fight with us because that is the only way we can succeed. Thank you. So here we are. Another month and uh, the latest podcast. And um, topics keep coming uh, thick and fast. Um, and uh, this one has to be, has to be about the most important matter in front of us. I know it's not coronavirus. I know it's consumed our lives, destroyed many lives. Um, but this is something in the middle of this, you know, the whole issue of George Floyd, the issue of what it's, you know, shown to society, Black Lives Matter. And all you need to do is see the pent-up rage, frustration all across. This is not a problem just in the United States of America. This is a problem all across where we are. It's a problem for us. And it's just a question of, you know, what, what do we do? I mean, is this another point in time where we just talk about it? Or, you know, do we, do we put it to another footnote in history? Or is this something different? You know, do, do we do we as society stand up? And I, I'll give you my views on it. I mean, I've personally spoken about many times what I've gone through. And, you know, um, has it been tough? Yes, it has been. Have I fought against it every step of the way? I was brought up never to back down, and I never have. I, I'm very lucky in that regard. I've got a very strong voice, a strong opinion. And it's taken me through lots of tough moments during my career. People who have tried to make me feel different because of my colour. People have tried to, I don't know, even subconsciously, unconsciously, whatever the term is, to make you or say things which make you feel different. But I've always stood up against it. I've come to this position where I am 
and I hold a national position um, because of me never standing or letting things go, so to speak. But it's also made me realise one thing, is that more often than not, it's been allies. It's been people who have stood by me, people who have supported me, people who have never seen me as different, never made a distinction, made jokes. You know, we have had lives, we have had friendships, which have not been based on colour. People who have, uh, you know, given me the opportunity to do roles irrespective of my colour, based on what they believe in my quality. Time, time will tell whether that's been borne out or not. But, you know, it's not always been, uh, you know, all negative either. And there are many examples in this country where people have also not faced racism. And I think this brings me to the point that I want to talk about. We could spend a lot of time, we could spend a lot of time giving examples, we could spend a lot of time talking about what needs to be better. We could spend a lot of time giving you examples of where it's all been wrong. But it's not just about listening anymore. This is not just the problem of people of colour. This is a problem for everybody. And this is where we need allies. We need people to stand up. You need people to say things that they are wrong. People to realise there are more people in this country who do not have a shred of racism in them than those who do. The problem is that the majority of them are quiet. The problem is the majority of them do not feel they can get involved, would rather let it pass. And thereby lies the problem where the minority of racist people get away with what they do. And I'll give you a very good example of that, what I personally believe in. I have always in my life been against anything which is sexism. It is not the job of women alone to tackle sexism. It is the job of all of us, men, who should stand by them. That is not part of chivalry or any such nonsense. That is simple human behaviour. As I say so, somebody who has a daughter, this is our job. If you see a sexist comment, we stand up and say no. If you see a candidate being discriminated against, you stand up and say no. You keep quiet. You let that person with a sexist view carry on. The misogyny carries on. And racism is no different. If you are white, do not be afraid of saying something which might make you a bit unpopular. I repeat, you as a white person are in the majority of people who do not have a bone of racism in you. Look around, make an alliance, stand up and say things which need to be said. If there is discrimination, say so. Why not? That is what society should be all about. That is what we should all be about. And I think, as I said, I don't want to spend time talking about, you know, what is wrong. I can give you many such examples. And I can only say how important speaking up is doesn't have to be in an aggressive way just simple things like i'm sorry but that's not acceptable i'm sorry but making that joke about somebody of different color is not acceptable and i say so too do you know what myself too i'm a person of uh, you know i come from india to believe that people who are of asian south asian descent like me do not have any racism in them is wrong too. We come from a society whereby, uh, you know, being dark is associated with being something not that good. 
We make jokes about black people and that has to stop. That begins with all of us. And I say that to every single Indian, Pakistani, Sri Lankan, Bangladeshi people out there, whoever you are, if that's what we're doing, we are not serving ourselves. We are not serving anybody else by doing so. When you have uh, a society where I come from, whereby um, the whole quest is to look or you have marriage adverts looking for women who are white or fair, you know their inherent racism exists in all of us. And that translocates across. In the present society, where we are in the UK, we have a joint role. We stand up and say what is wrong. There is a school of thought which says that a lot of people are jumping onto the Black Lives Matter and I partially agree with it. This is a space which a lot of black people have suffered for years and we have as much responsibility as anybody else. In between that, white people have their responsibility too. Just stand by our side. That's all. My experience is not unique. There are many other people who have gone through what I go through. There are also many other people who haven't. And I think that's the message. And as part of this, I, I've asked a few colleagues, you know, their views. Colleagues who I've known for some time. And I just want to know what, you know, I have never seen them have even a shred of issues around colour. When you converse with them about work, about football, about this and that, I just wanted to know what they felt. You know, what is it that makes them so normal? And what is it that they are going to take away? What is it that they have learned? I, I have no intention of changing anybody's racist mindset. It's very difficult to do that, if I'm very honest. People talk about unconscious, subconscious bias. Fine, we can try, we can do courses, conferences. But you know what? I'm not interested in changing the minority of people who believe that the color white is associated with some sort of supremacy or higher knowledge. I don't care about them. I'm not interested in them. All I do know is that they're the minority who can disappear. They can be quietened by the majority of white people who do not believe in such thing. And as part of that, there are a fair few people I've asked, um, you know, I just, just wanted their views. And to begin with, some good friends who I've met, you know, Abby Brooks, a GP colleague. Here are some of her views. So what have I learned about myself and racism following debate and discussion this week? I would have called myself an ally, a friend and someone who absolutely does not stand for racism. On reflection, though, there have been so many opportunities for me to call out inappropriate comments. As a doctor, I've had many consultations with patients where they have, maybe in passing, mentioned in a derogatory fashion about a brown doctor they saw last week, a foreign nurse who cared for them with an accent, someone they couldn't understand, or a consultant who had a name they couldn't pronounce from somewhere else. I've never been questioned where I'm really from or how long I've been here. I feel ashamed to say that I've not always taken these opportunities to challenge the stark racism, as I didn't want me, the patient, or someone else in the room to feel uncomfortable. I just let it slide. But how ridiculous is that? I'm a GP partner, which makes me an employer, a leader, but also a teacher. And I have a duty to my patients, staff, trainees, and also the wider community. It's vital that we have diverse voices within medicine and the NHS to ensure that care needs are addressed for all patients. I want to say now that I'm listening and I do continue to learn daily and can do better at teaching others that racism will not be tolerated. I've been complicit and I see that clearer now and I want to enable and to empower others to be anti-racist. 
I hope to see this conversation grow, get louder and see real changes made across the NHS and society as a whole. Black lives matter. We all need to speak out, whatever our race and background, and not avoid these uncomfortable conversations. Here's Becky Reeve, somebody I've known for a long time as well. The current racism debate has saddened me. A lot of people are showing their support for Black Lives Matter, but some of these must be the same people who every day at work, at the shops, on the bus, on the tube, in hospitals, just walking down the street, see racism happening and never speak up. Racism exists in the UK every day. It's not just a US problem. We need to start educating children in schools about why the UK legacy in anti-blackness that never gets taught. Otherwise, nothing will ever change. Andy Hershon, GP colleague with whom I've shared many a good times discussing our Liverpool football club. Firstly, let me say that I'm a white guy with obvious white privilege. Not only that, but I was brought up in the sort of 70s and early 80s uh, when we would sit watching programmes such as Love Thy Neighbour and Mind Your Language uh, and the whole family would chuckle merrily at what we thought of as banter. Uh, The first time I really saw racism and the hard edge of racism was the football when John Barnes uh, got so much stick and he even got things like bananas thrown at him. Uh, so what can I possibly do to help the cause? Well, hopefully I can lead by example uh, and be seen to judge people on their merits and their abilities rather than their colour or their accent. Uh, and I'll also stand up when others uh, don't do what I do. Uh, but I also think there's an issue around education Uh, especially for those maybe like me and maybe other white people who have been taught this message for what is hundreds of years and everyone needs to take responsibility for looking into their self and see whether they have any prejudices within them. I hope that's been helpful and thanks. Zoe Norris, GP colleague again. So second one, this is the George Floyd one. I think one of the things that constantly surprises me about events like the George Floyd murder is that this isn't just an American problem. And that sounds such a stupid thing to say, but I think as a white person, having been born and brought up in Britain uh, with no other ethnic background, it's really easy to think that this is a problem that happens in other countries. Um, I live in a part of the country that is predominantly white, Um, There's a very small number of ethnic minorities. There is um, a real lack of uh, understanding about them. And really, it's only my growing up in more multicultural areas like Peterborough and then studying in Nottingham um, that mean I appreciate a little bit of the issues. Um, I've been really sad to hear colleagues and friends um, talking about their own experiences of racism and I think it's it's so easy for me as a white woman to think well this is an American problem that would never happen in this country um our police would never behave in that way and there's everyone's concerned about race in America but not here and that's not true and just because I don't experience it doesn't mean that it's not happening and I'm becoming much more aware of um low level racism and trying to challenge that myself, the comments about, oh, it's nice to see a doctor who I can understand properly. Oh, it's nice to see a white doctor. Um, I call out now 
and I correct. And that feels uncomfortable for me. I'm sure it's uncomfortable for the patient. Um, but my God, how much more uncomfortable and horrible must it be to be on the receiving end of comments like that if they're directed at you? Um, and it just makes me so, so sad that this is still considered an acceptable way to talk to people in this country. Gary Rees and some of his views too. The tragic murder of George Floyd by Minneapolis policemen has had an impact that has resonated around the world. It's generally seen as a deep-rooted problem within American society, where black people in particular, as well as other ethnic minorities, suffer disproportionately from poverty and deprivation. However, the recent seemingly censored Public Health England report on the increased COVID risk to people of black, Asian and other ethnic minorities in the UK suggests that these disparities occur outside of the USA as well. I was taught that society is built on and only works when there is a social contract, that people share and abide by the same set of rules that apply to everyone. Institutions also have to respect this social contract. If one type of people is favoured over another, this contract very quickly breaks down. Unfortunately, I think the events we are witnessing now are a direct result of this breakdown. What has surprised me following these events is that although some racial incidents are obvious, institutionalised racism is much less so. It operates at almost a subconscious level, and it's only now that I'm looking that I can see it. Most of the time, people won't speak out and will accept a level of injustice or casual racism in silence. I think it's a domino effect with each individual incident adding weight to normalising this type of behaviour. What has also surprised me is the realisation that we have a simple and effective way to change all this and, if you like, have a reverse domino effect whereby by speaking out and refusing to accept any form of racism we can slowly change these attitudes, beliefs and behaviours. A view from Sarah Norcross. So when I see what's been happening this week, I'm, I'm angry, I'm sad and I'm incredibly frustrated. Um, because I think we've managed to achieve so much good over the last few years and made other things that have singled people out for being different in any way unacceptable. Um, but we still can't seem to fix this. Um, and I feel naive because I don't think I act that way. I don't think I think that way. But when you've got so many people out there telling us that it's happening to them and it's happening on a day-to-day -day basis and the stories are, are shocking that are coming out from people, then it's irrelevant what I think. It's irrelevant what any of us think because we have to listen. We have to listen and we have to do something about it, right? Um, because none of us want to be here months from now, years from now and realise we still haven't fixed this when we can. And we have to draw a line in the sand now and whenever we hear it whenever we we think it's happening we have to speak up all of us have to speak up because it's only by all of us accepting that this is happening accepting it once and for all and accepting that we need to change it and fix it um, and that it's no longer acceptable to discriminate anyone and treat anybody differently depending on their skin color can we really change this um, and i really really hope we can what i would say is that it does fill me with hope. 
And I think that's what I would like all to remember from today, this podcast. If you find time to listen to what I've been sort of going on about, it hurts. It's really, really burns. If you think I'm a strong personality and can live with it, you're wrong. You know, not everybody is blessed to have the family structure I have around me, my fantastic friends, and to have genuinely a personality which doesn't take much to heart. I can shrug things off, I can move along and go to the next challenge. But even for me, it sucks. It hurts, it burns, it takes a lot out of you. And to many, many people who are not blessed with a lot of things I've got, think about them. Think about how much it affects them. Think about how much it stops them, the the achievements they they could have in their career. And to anybody who's listening who's white, the responsibility is yours. This is a white problem. And you all have to help us get there. We don't want any further of these continued things. The NHS can do better. The whole society can do better. And hopefully this podcast do share some light, you know, helps, you know, even if it changes one person in their views as to what they think about, it's useful. I've said what I've said from my heart, what I believe in. Am I a social justice warrior? I don't believe in such terms. I I personally would believe I would like to have a fair society. I would like to have a society where, you know, your colour doesn't matter. You are are who you are on your quality. Sex doesn't matter. None of this should matter, but it does. And in 2020, if you still have a, what they call an unconscious bias, then you're not reading the newspaper. You are deliberately making yourself subconscious or unconscious to everything around you. And that needs to stop. So hopefully we can look forward to a future which is a bit more positive than where we are. It's burning all around us. And we can stop the minority from doing what they do, keep us divided. Let's see where we go. But I do believe in hope. That's always been my message about being optimistic. And to a video I posted on social media, I have been overwhelmed heartened, really, really heartened by the comments all around from people who I've known, people who have pledged to stand by me, pledged to be there as an ally. And that gives me hope. And hopefully this podcast reaches out to a few more and we can do better than where we are. And oh, just like that river I've been running ever since. It's been a long, long time coming, but I know a change's gonna come. Whoa.